One of the key distinctions that pastors, therapists, and chaplains have to make sometimes is between guilt and shame. Is the person across from them feeling sadness or judgment or regret over something they have done? Or is the person feeling those same emotions because of who they perceive themselves to be? Do they think that what they've done is bad? Or do they think that they themselves are bad? Making the distinction can make the difference between a helpful pastoral or therapeutic encounter and an unhelpful one. Guilt, on one hand, can be a helpful emotion. After all, eliciting guilt is one of the purposes of God's law in the first place. Though one of the, the, in Luther's words, it would be the second use of the law is to show us our sin and our desperate need for God's grace. Guilt can lead to repentance and amendment of life. It's supposed to lead somewhere. It doesn't just wallow. Shame, however, while sometimes masking under guilt, can be incredibly destructive. Shame invites wallowing. Shame, the conviction that I am completely bad, can turn self-hatred into an obsession. Shame can kill. And Genesis is concerned with the origins of shame. Where did shame come from? Where does such a self-destructive emotion come from? Why do we feel shamed? First, your first memories of shame probably go way back. Way back. It may be one of the earliest memories you have. So why do we feel that way? Why would we ever feel that we, part of God's good creation, are ever completely bad? It's an especially pertinent issue now as shame is everywhere in society, isn't it? Attempts at shaming are rampant on social media or television. It's one of the reasons that I said goodbye to one of my accounts a while back, at least for a little while. It got too much. It seems like half our country, take your pick as to which half, perpetually tries to convince the other half that they are inherently bad, that there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong with you. Dialogue. There is no dialogue anymore, it seems. People are at each other's throats. The attitude seems to be you're either with us or against us. There's never any middle ground, it seems. These attempts at shaming not only destroy relationships, they deny that any connection exists between us at all. That's exactly what happened to our first parents in the garden. Remember why the man and woman were created in the first place. They were created with a purpose. They were made to care for God's creation, to till the earth and keep it, are the words of Genesis, and to care for each other. But after their disobedience, this purpose, these twin purposes, are buried under a mountain of shame. Before they ate the fruit, Genesis tells us that they were naked and unashamed. They didn't feel afraid or bad about who God had made them to be. Immediately after they ate the fruit, however, that all changed. Their eyes are opened indeed, but they aren't filled with knowledge and wisdom, at least 
not the kind of enlightenment that they would find helpful. To the contrary, their newfound knowledge fills them with shame. They feel shame about being the way that God made them to be. They feel bad about who they are. They feel like they are not adequate the way they are and that they need something else to be presentable to God. They can't any longer come before God just the way that they are. Barriers form between God and people and between people themselves. Fear enters the picture. Out of fear and shame, the man and woman hide themselves from God. And out of this fear and shame comes blame. We don't get to it in this reading, but it comes right after our reading in Genesis. It undermines every relationship. In the verses following, we learn that the man not only blames his wife for giving him the fruit, he also implicitly blames God. The words are, this woman whom you gave to be to, with me gave me the fruit and I ate. The woman blames the serpent. The serpent tricked me and I ate. Humanity's connection to each other, the rest of creation, and even God is impaired. Human beings become stuck in a morass of shame and blame, alternating between hatred of self and hatred of others. And it seems to be the cycle that we don't get out of. Thank God that's not the end of the story. As bleak as it gets throughout our history, and as bleak as it might seem now, God doesn't give up on humanity. Throughout the Old Testament, God is determined to redeem humanity from its shame. To do this, God doesn't go global. God goes local with one family, one incredibly flawed family, the family of Abraham. God chooses this family to be the conduit of blessing for every family on earth. Over the next few weeks, we'll learn a bit about the promise to Abraham, the story of Joseph, the continuing saga of sin and forgiveness with the people of Israel. And all of these stories in the Old Testament, all of these stories of sin and redemption and of, of not getting it over and over again and of broken relationships and restoration point to the culmination of Abraham's line in the person of Jesus. And in Jesus, humanity's shame is taken away. In Jesus, our connection to God, God's creation, and to each other is restored. This gospel reading that we have is only a part, a tiny part of the Lord's Prayer, but it contains the essence of this restoration that Jesus gives us. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. When we recognize each other as human, liable to sin, easily caught up in shame and blame, we can be more gracious to each other as God has been gracious to us. We can step away from the outrage machine that our culture has become. In refusing to shame and blame others, we'll find that we stop shaming and blaming ourselves. We'll find a newfound confidence that Jesus has restored us to God and to each other. And as we stop condemning 
others, we find that we ourselves are no longer condemned. The words of Jesus to the unnamed woman in the Gospel of John are the same words to us. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. God continue to help us remember that we are infinitely valued and loved as part of God's creation, just as every other human is. And God help us to put aside shame and blame of others and of ourselves. Because we know that we have a secure identity and purpose as God's children. Let's pray. Lord God, you have given us a purpose for our existence, to care for your creation and to care for each other. Renew that purpose within us and give us the strength of will to stop participating in our culture's constant outrage and, our, and constant shaming and blaming. Help us to be the people you made us to be in your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.